0: Hey there, Andrea here. I'm so excited because I have such an awesome guest on the show today. Her name is Kelly Hatcher and I'm so excited to introduce you to her. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your strength and resilience
1: story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I am a mom of two boys, single mom, living in uh, Southern California and my oldest son, who will be twenty three this month, has been struggling with drugs for this month will be ten years, and he is um, we've had at least sixteen rehabs, uh probably over twenty detoxes if i if I know even all of them um, he has been up and down, started with weed and progressively got to pills to heroin to benzos to, um, unfortunately lately even fentanyl. So, um, he just, he struggles, he struggles hard and, um, hasn't found, uh, his, his life of what, what is his purpose yet. And, um, he's in a rehab right now. And, um, I think he has like three weeks, but you know what? I, I'm, I'm praising those three weeks of go baby go. Those are solid positive three weeks. So um, it's been a crazy roller coaster. My other son's a type one diabetic. And so having two kids with two different diseases um, and doing it alone has been a challenge for me, but um, definitely I'm growing I'm learning and I finally have found the power and the strength to be okay in my life instead of, uh, wanting to drink myself or sleep all day or cry all day in the shower. Cause I didn't want my other son to know how messed up I really was. Um, I'm really good at that time of faking it till you make it. And from the outside, I look like, you know, my shit was together. And honestly, I, I was a hot mess and, um, I just, I needed, I needed to find a coach. I needed to find a therapy, did a lot of therapy, but finding a recovery coach really helped me like finally realize, wow, wait, I have a master's in counseling. Like I counsel kids every single day. And all of a sudden, you know, I was like, wait, I can't save him. And this is not my battle where for years if they made little princess tiaras, I would have one and I would be the oh, queen God. enabler. And I would have, you know, thought I could fix him by yelling, screaming, crying, um, challenging, threatening. I I did it all and nothing was working. And um, finally, when I've let go, I, you know, he still struggles, but I'm at peace now. So it's been a long road, but, um, I'm on the other side smiling and enjoying life again.
0: Oh my gosh. I just want to thank you for sharing your story because the reality of that is that you're showing the humanness in it. And we, you know, I know all the listeners are probably thinking that's me like putting on the brave face. I remember having to go and teach like yoga classes or like fitness classes. And I have to like game on, like, you know, it's like, you know, pretend that you didn't stay up all night or you weren't out all night searching for, you know, your addicted loved one. Um, So I, I really am grateful for you sharing your humanness in your story and um that it is a struggle it is really hard and it continues to be hard um but i also there's there's just so much amazing things that you said in there too is almost like you can't save them and recognizing that you can't save them. And that once you did that, you, um, you, you were able to find some peace. And also like, even with me too, is I have training in resiliency. I like, I'm a positive (laughs) psychology practitioner is like, Oh my gosh. And, and, but nobody prepares you for the struggle and the challenge that comes with loving someone with an addiction. So I'm really curious. um, What was your biggest struggle with loving someone with an addiction?
1: Not able to fix him. I just feel like I've been in education and counseling for 28 years. Like I have people that come back to me and thank me because I helped them so much. And here I was not able to help my own child. And, mm. you know, at when he started using, I was also going through a pretty messy divorce and so um, I had left my husband. And so, you know, through the church, I was writing Bible studies. Like I, I, I thought I had my shit straight. And then all of a sudden I was being judged because I left my husband and my kid's using drugs and he's using drugs probably because of me, because I'm leaving my husband. And that tore me apart. Like I was, I, I took the blame. I, I held on to that blame of I created this. Oh my gosh, I, I am such a loser. And you know, here I am getting ulcers and having to go to the hospital because I I literally jacked up my mental and physical health because I believed what all these people were saying about me. And um, that was probably. I mean, obviously for me that was hard. Obviously, watching my kid, I've seen my kid shooting up in a car. I have thought he was dead. He was homeless in Portland for like six or seven months. The fear of getting that phone call. I mean, there's, gosh, Andrea, how many hours do you have? I mean, I I can tell you a thousand stories, which you probably could share the same. Um, But for myself, it was blaming myself and not able to fix it.
0: My gosh. And, and and so many of us uh, do have the energy of guilt and shame and, um, and that, and not only the guilt and shame that comes from the world around us, perhaps, but also from ourselves, the inner critic, like maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe, maybe I'm not a fun girlfriend. So he wants to go out and do cocaine with someone else. Like maybe, you know, like it's that, that inner voice sometimes really does hijack us. And it's like, oh my gosh. And then it tears us down. And it's, it's really, it's, it's really Really terrible. And then also, I know what you're saying, and I love that you brought that up is the obvious struggles. I know when I asked that question, like, what was your biggest struggle? It's like, it's almost forgetting all about those obvious things, like, you know, walking into the garage and thinking that they've hung themselves and, you know, yeah. like, blah, like the, the list goes on of those kind of struggles for sure. But when it all comes down to it, the biggest struggle for you is watching your son um, and, and being helpless and feeling like you can't, you you can't heal them and um and and i can i can 100% relate to that i'm sure a lot of the listeners will relate to that as well oh so yeah. yeah how are you able to take back your
1: power i um i definitely got a lot of support and mindset of having that mindset of my thoughts are the only thing i can control so if i want to keep thinking this is my fault i'm a loser mom i am like all of these negative thoughts. That's what I was believing. So taking back that mindset and, you know, I had a coach who, you know, was also a friend and she would be like, Kelly, you were PTA president every year. You worked in the school. You were team mom for every single sport. You did high school, you know, team mom for the sports that you didn't even have kids in. Like your momming hood is amazing. It's not like, take your blinders off, and look at the bigger picture. And I realized, damn, I, I was a kick-ass mom. I still am. Like, yeah, I've got, I've got mad superpowers of being a good mom. It's just I don't have that addictive gene. And so for many years, I just thought, you don't love me enough to fix this. You don't like just stop. Why can't you just stop? And there's addiction in my family as well as my ex-husband's family. So we would always tell the boys, this is Russian roulette, like you may get addiction. And we, of course we didn't know what get addiction meant at that time, but it could be spooky, don't do it. Um, <laughs> but it was more of just stop. And you know, thinking it was a light switch and realizing, wow, Wow, Kelly, this is not a light switch. If he wanted to stop, he's not doing this going, screw you, mom. This, this is a struggle. This is a challenge and not taking it personally. Oh, that is so hard.
0: You raise so many amazing things here. Like, it's true. It's like you wish that it could be a light switch. And I think so many people think that, do they not love me enough? Do they not see the beautiful life that we have together? Like, do they not, you know, you know, it's amazing how that, that is, it, we take it so personally and it's so hard to recognize and realize that it has nothing to do with us. Right. And, um, and, and it really is that detachment from it is so important and I think what comes to mind too is all those realities of addiction right you did not cause the addiction you are not at fault like as a parent as a significant other of someone you know who is addictive it is widespread to think that that is what happens right like we think that we cause it but um it's also that no one expects to become an addict right like who like They don't go yeah. out trying crystal
1: ball, what or magic eight balls, shake that bad boy, and it shows up. You're going to be an addict. Like, not not in the realm of our world. Like, we don't ever assume anyone we love or care about. We picture the, you know, sad, sadly enough, the homeless people um on the streets that, oh, they have problems, mm, poor things. And now here I am. I get I have bags in my car. Any homeless person. I see, I take out a backpack and I give it to him with all the hygiene and stuff, just because I've been walking the streets looking for my own child. And I've seen hundreds, hundreds of people homeless, whether it was in Portland or here in San Diego, because he's been homeless in both places. And it, it's a, it's a doozy. And I think that's what people picture of addiction and homelessness and non-educated people. It's so stereotyped that it can't be other people that have this. It, it's just those type of people. and it's like, oh honey, you have no clue.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh. And I just want to celebrate your kindness, Kelly, and that you do that and um yeah, it could be, you know, it could be anyone's child on the street there and um and it's not just like addiction could be after you've had surgery, right? And then you are in painkillers and then you get addicted to the painkillers and like, you know, like it there it doesn't discriminate, right? There there's Not at all. Yes. So you, and so, and as a care, like someone who loves someone with an addiction to recognize them that we are powerless over their addiction. So, Let's talk about that because I think that that was a hard concept for me to grasp because here I am, you know, buying vaporizers, rubbing Vicks on his chest, thinking we have a chronic sinus infection, getting him special (laughs) supplements, everything that you can imagine I was doing, like, you know, my, you know, running the shower longer. So he gets the vapor, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, like this idea of feeling powerless. I don't personally, nobody likes to feel powerless, but it is because it's often mistaken for weakness and, or, um, you know, so I really, let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I feel that um, gaining that control, it's, it's powerless, powerful. Like you're dealing with your self-esteem. Where's your self-confidence in this? And I I feel that when you're in the midst of it, you, you've lost it all. Like we have no self-care. We don't, you know, we, everything about us we take away because we're so energized to rub the vicks on their chest and you know do all the things like i've got you babe i know you're ha- struggling i will help you and so you stop finding your self worth and i think that's the self sorry i have a train right by my house i apologize um finding our self worth creates that powerful feeling of confidence of I, I've got this, I, I'm like, mm, sorry, your sniffles are not because you have allergies, <laughs> like learning to take your power back and not deal with the BS anymore. I think that's a huge thing that most people who have a loved one, You you, it's just, it, it takes time and it takes those, taking those blinders and pulling them back and looking at the bigger picture because we're so tunnel visioned, on our loved one that we don't see the bigger picture where other people may, but then you're like, don't, don't call my kid an addict. Like you have no clue. He's not, he's struggling with some drugs. Like I did not like the word addict or drug user. Like I just like, let me buffer everything until I realized, Oh crap. No, he is an addict. He is. And Mm. once I owned it, I was good, but I had to, I had to own it.
0: Oh my gosh, you say. So many amazing points here. And the idea here too is that they are also sometimes in denial of an addiction. Cause I remember when I, mine was my um, boyfriend had a hidden addiction for a long time until he couldn't hide it anymore. Cause it was active addiction. And I remember him saying that, you know, don't worry. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just going to stop. I'm like, well, what are we dealing with here? Like, is it a huge problem? Like, are you addicted? Like, do you need help? Like, what are we doing? Oh no, I'm not addicted. It's not that bad. But meanwhile, like, I've been seeing the behavior. So, like, like I knew there was definitely like, you know, a huge problem. So then I started to question like, is there, am I being like, you know, is there paranoia? Not? Yeah. Being, being over, yeah. I'm, and so the idea is is that like, the reality is that denial piece is there too, right? And so taking off those blinders, I would know. Like, and I used to Google, what does it mean to be addicted? addicted? You know, and, I love like, you. Like, <laughs> I love it. Google, it's like, what what do cocaine addicts act like? Like, you know, like all those yeah. things. Like what are the
1: symptoms of someone who's using cocaine? <laughs> yeah.
0: But you know what's funny? It's like, I after, like, when someone brought it to my attention, do you think maybe he's doing cocaine? I'm like, oh my gosh. So I Googled it and it's like, bingo. Like, it's like he read the instruction manual check, how to check. act. <laughs> yeah. check, check, check. How to act when you are a, an active addict. So I also love the point that you said you must advocate for yourself and ha- save yourself. It's really about, um, and that we're all on various stages. I, and that it's time to like, you know, at certain points you realize it's time to take off those blinders and recognize that the only thing you can do is save yourself. So let's take, let's talk about that. How, so you, how did you take back your power?
1: Again, having a coach and learning, learning for myself about self-care. Like I have never, even when my kids were little, I never did self-care. Like I wasn't the girl that went and you know, had massages or manicures, like I was busy running my kids and paying bills and cleaning out the pool and mowing the ground. Like I was the psycho mom who thought I could do it all. So self-care was never a part of my life. And now learning that, okay, I really like massages and I really like, you know, taking care of my body. Like I know for me, I need to get those endorphins going because I mean, obviously health reasons is important as well, but I needed it for the endorphins. I needed to get those happy because doctors were, hey, take this depression medicine, take this. And I I know many people and I was on medicine, any kind of medication to help me for a while, but I just, I'm so anti-medication just because of my kid. It's a personal journey where I just feel that if I can get out and exercise, I'm a thousand times in a better place mentally and physically. So for me, it's, it's taking back that power of self care and, um, man, go on a lot of walks and I lift some weights and I try to drink a lot of water. So that is where I'm at for taking back my power and realizing, okay, I deserve this. I deserve to be healthy and uh, having a joyful life.
0: Oh, it's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And and I love that you bring it up. It's so much more than just, you know, than just doing your hair and things like that. Like self-care is really about, you know, deliberately doing things that will look after you emotionally, psycho-spiritually, as well as physically and things like going for power walks or just walks in general. Um, I always say walks in nature are beautiful too. And like you said, massage is like treating yourself like you're worthy. You're worthy of care and concern and um, so important. So important. A lot of people, they, they, they forget about self-care, especially when they're caring so much for somebody else. So that's wonderful. So what has been the biggest lesson um, that you've learned from loving
1: someone with an addiction? Um, the power to let them find their journey. Like I, I tell my son, anytime I talk to him of, I love you, I will always be your biggest cheerleader but I have to love you from a distance. And, um, you know, I moved in November and he has no clue where I live. Like as of right now, um, I don't feel comfortable with that. And it's okay. Like uh, uh, people are like, your kid doesn't know where you live. And it's okay that you can, you can be distraught over that or, you know, offended that I wouldn't tell my child, but I've also lost Every like wedding rings, uh, jewelry, computers, (laughs) cameras, you name it, credit cards. I mean, until I know he's in a healthy place, there's no way in hell he's going to know where I live. Like I'm okay with that and letting him know I love him, but this is yours now, honey. You are, you're no longer a child in my house and you have to figure this out on your own. So just, I don't, I hate the word letting go. Cause I am so never going to let go of either of my kids ever, mm. but I will be their biggest cheerleader and say, go baby, go. You've you got this. And um, I'm here to support you. Never been a cheerleader in my life, but I can, I, I can probably do a cheer if they need it, but I'm there <laughs> for them from a distance though.
0: That is so beautiful, Kelly, and I really love the fact that you brought up boundaries. And um, I know a lot of people talk about boundaries and codependency, and kind of sounds like you know it sounds so negative and like victimhood. But um, but honoring the fact of what the boundary is for you it's this boundary that you just set is to protect yourself and a lot of people think they're setting boundaries to like discipline other people but really that boundary you needed to set for yourself it doesn't matter if anyone else understands it this is something that you've put into place that is going to keep you safe that's going to be a form of self-respect it's going to be a form of self-care and self-compassion around it so I just want to celebrate that you have set such a beautiful boundary that is protecting you. But then also loving from a distance, like you're not removing and neglecting in any way. Um, So
1: that is so beautiful. I love the way you put it too. Thank you. Yeah, I feel that many people think boundaries are the rules and these are the rules because you're a bad person. So I have to set these rules for you. And it, it literally has nothing to do with the other person. It's to protect myself and they're guides, they're, they're guidelines for me. I don't want to say there's, these are rules. And these are like, if you fail this rule, you are, you're going to hell. Like, it's not like that. It is literally, these are guides to help me live a healthy life that I don't have to worry of you break one of my boundaries. These, this is the consequence. There's no ifs, ands, and buts. This is how it is. And I think everybody needs boundaries, whether you're dealing with addiction or not. Like our world, we need boundaries because our kids are not growing up with a lot of boundaries nowadays. And uh, we've got some problems. Uh, You know, I counsel kids every single day uh, and you just see these kids who just don't understand it. But it's it's so, so important for our, our children to have these as well, not just us
0: yeah it's amazing and yeah I often I often talk about boundaries being almost like a fence you know in your backyard they keep out you know the you know it's the crazy dogs or the you know the wild dogs and it keeps you your peace in your backyard Um, and boundaries are just it's for you it's not um, creating rules for other people and so and I also love that um, your biggest lesson too is all about loving from a distance and setting those boundaries and I know oftentimes like Right. Loving from a distance, people are not sure what that means, but really, it's about taking responsibility for other people's poor choices and relinquishing control that you don't have power over their addiction. And it's all about you know stop picking up the slack for these you know people who are struggling with an addiction because. And I often found that sometimes I would be making excuses, like I would like yes justify it out. So it's about stop like you know loving from a distance is also stopping making excuses for them and defending them and things like that, right? It's like, you know what? I stopped saying it like, you know what? Here's another um vacation he's not coming on. You know, here's <laughs> right. another, like, I don't know. I just wanted to go by myself this time actually. So I can actually sleep a whole night, not worry
1: about him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where are you this time? Yeah. No, I good for you. I mean that's what we need to be doing. And and helping other families realize that you can still live a beautiful life. Like it's okay that you're struggling. It's it's normal to be in pain when someone you love is having challenges. Like it's okay to be not okay.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's actually one whole chapter in my book. It's like, it's okay not to be okay. And and (laughs) honoring your emotions, right? Even the, even the negative ones and that they're there for a reason. And I think a big shift too, is moving out of that rescue mode and that stress response um, Mm -hmm. is, is really important. And loving from a distance really does bring that feeling of peace. Um, for sure. So for the listeners and maybe someone who's in the muck of things, you know, they're on the roller coaster, they're on the merry-go-round, um, or they're just struggling in general because they love someone with an addiction. Um, what advice would you have for them?
1: Take care of yourself, get help for yourself. You can't fix your loved one, but you can fix yourself because addiction is, a disease that affects family and loved ones, friends. So everyone has to deal with it a certain way, but the only person you are in charge of is yourself. So get help, get support. Some people may say, just do Al-Anon, that'll help. Some people will get a therapist. Some people will get a coach, whoever it may be. Find people who understand though, who like my best friend doesn't have addiction in her family she's there for me. She supports me. She's beautiful. But I relate more to people like you, like like you get me, you're, 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 as I'm sharing your head's nodding, like you (laughs) understand exactly. And that helps because you can brainstorm and we can actually laugh together because at the moment you're in it, there's no, there's no laughter, like none. So now we can say, Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I can trump your story. Let me tell you this one. And we can joke on it a little bit because you have to be able to laugh at some of this stuff because we don't have control of it. So find some joy, find some laughter. Laughter produces those endorphins as well. And we all need that the serotonin, the endorphins to get our body feeling in a positive state of mind. Oh, It's so beautiful. I love that. And I'm
0: all about, you know, leveraging positivity and positive emotions, even if it's just, you know, trying to milk out a moment of joy as much as you can. Exactly. Um, Because sometimes it can be hard to find those moments of joy. Um, But I also love the, the piece that you talked about with that common humanity, like when you do reach out to people who are also going through the struggle um, it makes you feel like there's a common humanity there and that you're not alone and that is the whole purpose of this community and the, the private Facebook group and the book and everything so that you can relate and you can talk with people and also be of service to others because Science has shown that when we help others and we're being of service as well, it actually improves our own well-being, too. So it's really important to have community. And I love that you brought that up. It's so beautiful.
1: Well, for all of us, I mean, I know for me, it you know, people are saying you've counseled for so many years and now I'm doing recovery work for, you know, coaching for people. And to be honest, it helps me too. like it fuels me so not that it's, you know, yes, I have a heart and I want to help as many people as I can, but it also helps me as well. So it's a twofer. And I think that's important because we're always growing. No matter what situation you're in, if you're stagnant, there's a there's a problem. You, you need to keep finding more personal growth, whether it's working out or, or mind or just information to keep feeding yourself. So I I just, I think it's really important for all of us to keep growing. Oh, I love
0: that and keep growing and learning. And actually, um, achievement and accomplishment and growth is actually so detrimental for our well-being and it's actually one of the pillars of well-being and the well-being model in positive psychology so it's so true like and feeling like you have meaning and you you contribute to this world you have worth you're worthy and you you can show up and you can make a difference in people's lives and that you're you know it feels so good and it does feed us on such a deep level I love that you brought that up. Okay, Kelly, people are going to want to get a hold of you. And I know you are doing coaching as well. Please tell us like what you're up to now and how people can get a hold of you.
1: So I am um, my website is New Day Family Recovery because my mantra in life has always been when things are bad, tomorrow's a new day. We've got tomorrow. Like let's not if in this chapter start a new one, tomorrow's a new day. So New Day Family Recovery. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and I have the website and it, everything's under New Day Family Recovery. And I have a podcast as well. Um, it's called The Mel and Kel Show, and we talk about feelings each month and mindset. So it's all about, you know, looking at things differently and finding that positivity. in even the, the worst scenarios, there's something in there. We need to grab it and hold on to it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm loving helping families right now when they have um, their child struggling. I, I want to be the one that offers the support to the families because when your kids are in a rehab or your loved ones in a rehab, it's finally the time you get asleep. Like you're like, ah, but it doesn't solve the problem. Like you have to work on yourself and get help for yourself. So that's me. That's what I'm doing. Yay,
0: Kelly, and we'll have all the links in the show notes, of course, that you can reach, like everyone can reach out to you, and I'm sure they're going to want to, for sure, and listen to your podcast, and Thank thank you so much for being on the show, and sharing your story of strength and resilience, it means the world to me, and I'm sure all the listeners as well, appreciate. You are beautiful, thank you so much for
1: having me, and I hope you have a beautiful day. Yay!
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want additional support, you can head on over to my website at andreaseidel.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With an Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone going through this struggle so that we can all work together to take back our lives and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but also week after week. I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes every single week so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.